0: You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. Thank you for joining me, Nathan Johnson, on an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of this incredible book by Paul. Now, let's dive into the lesson for today. Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul says this, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, never, amen. Uh, We've been walking through the content of the prayer itself, uh, which really begins in verse 16, and uh, we were looking at this idea that Paul is praying that God would give you, uh, according to the riches of his glory, this strength with power through his spirit in the inner man. Uh, we were looking at this idea that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, uh, that this whole idea that Christ would be the very center, the essence, the heartbeat, uh, that he would be preeminent in your life. Uh, and all of that is through faith, uh, that this isn't, a, a uh, this isn't just a mental apprehension. This isn't just a belief in the sense of, uh, I esteem it. I, 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 oh, yes, I believe that to be true. But the reality is that I'm putting it into action, that this is practical, this is being lived out uh, in in the day-to-day reality, that I'm leaning my weight upon the Lord and I'm putting my trust in him. Uh, Just as an interesting side note, when you look at Paul's day, he's talking to a Greek culture that is overemphasizing this idea of intellectualism, uh, that faith was based in the intellect, uh, that how do I experience faith? Well, it's on the inside, it's believing it's, it's an intellectual thing. Uh, the Gnosticism stuff came out of all that, where it all becomes head knowledge. And it's interesting, I look at the modern day and the modern culture, and I'm like, we have that same problem. That faith today is merely just that head nod. It's it's the country club idea. It's the, well, yeah, it's, I grew up as a Christian. I must be a Christian. Do you go to church? Do you love Jesus? No, but I'm, I'm a Christian. How, how, that cannot be. Well, I, I'm a Christian, why? Because I did the checklist thing. See, this is not an intellectualism That this is, hey, it's through faith that this is down to it. This is practical. I've got to actively put my hope and my faith and my trust in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul comes out of that whole thing in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in, in your hearts through faith. And then he makes this profound statement. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love. They are to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, before we even get into the passage, because over the next several messages, we're going to be looking at this idea of in love, because in verse 18, Paul begins to talk about the comprehension of love, that you know the height, the length, the width, the depth. Uh, In verse 19, he's talking about knowing the love of, of God, which surpasses the knowledge of it. And so we're going to be in this love thing for at least a couple of sessions. Uh, but it's interesting that he says that we're to be rooted and grounded in love. And so, before we even get into this idea, you've got to realize we are not talking about emotions. Uh, we are not talking about oh, I'm in love. We're not talking about oh, I got a goosebump. I must be in love. We're, we're not talking about. We're not talking about emotion. We're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about that gooey, icky stuff, whatever it is that people describe love as. Uh, we are talking about a person. Who is love? Right? First John chapter 4, verse eight and verse 16. God is love. It's that word agape, agape. That, that's our word. So you got to understand, and you got to understand this in the context of what Paul is saying here, Paul is saying that Christ should dwell in your hearts through faith, that Christ should be the very center, uh, the reality, the essence, the beat, the thrust of your whole life. That he is to be preeminent. He's the north star of your existence. That, that he's that which you set your compass to. He's the centrality of your life. How does that take place? Through faith. So it makes no sense contextually in our passage to suddenly go, oh, now he's changing his thoughts. And he's now saying, hey, you should be rooted and grounded in an emotion. He's not saying that. What is he saying? He's saying the same thing he has been saying, which is, would, would you let Jesus be the big deal of your life? Hey, would you let Jesus sink down and be the very essence, the, the central reality of your life? And we're not talking about a, a concept, we're talking about a person. That Jesus is to be the very center of your life. And that's what he's been saying all through chapter one. That's what he's been saying all through chapter two. And guess what? He's not, he's not finished with that concept, he's still plunging into this idea. It's all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. So if you do not like Jesus, don't read the Bible. Hope you understand what I'm saying. So as we come into this idea that you're to be rooted and grounded in love, don't go, oh, so I'm going to have like these goosebump moments and it's all going to be emotions. It's all going to be like skipping through the meadows and sunflowers and Skittles falling from the sky. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that you're to be rooted and grounded in this person who is love. Now, there is a reason he uses the word love and not Jesus, which we'll get into some other time. But you're to recognize that the emphasis is a person. Are you getting this? So don't leave here and go, oh, I'm to be rooted and grounded in my emotions. You already are. And we're trying to get you out of that because you've seen what your emotions do to you. We've seen what your emotions do to you, and you, stop it. Uh, that you're to be rooted and grounded in something far better and more secure than your emotions. Your emotions are fickle, and I can prove that to you. Because if you look at, at, over the course of an entire day, your emotions are going all over the place. All right? It's like that old. Uh, it's like those old, you know, those old cartoons or the. Are the little girls who grab a flower, he loves me, he hates me, he, loves me. he hates me. He, loves me, he hates me, he hates me. That's your emotions, isn't it? It's just you're all over the place. Your emotions are not stable. No offense, but you are not stable. And so if you're going to be rooted and grounded in something, it cannot be your emotions. It cannot be this feeling. You have to be rooted and grounded in the one thing that never changes, which is Jesus. So again, as we get into this entire section, don't go crazy In the sense of, oh, emotions, oh, feelings, oh, goosebumps. We're talking about Jesus. And uh, you realize that the love of Christ, the very life of Jesus has been dumped in your life. And uh, Romans 5.5 is a great passage of that. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is in the Greek, the in love is really emphasized here. In other words, it's like Paul is overemphasizing this idea that that which we are rooted and grounded, of, grounded in is this idea of love. In fact, in the Greek, the love part comes first. It's in love being rooted and grounded. Uh, and in Greek, word order uh, is significant in the sense of emphasis. And so it's interesting that he's really emphasizing this idea that, that I am rooted and grounded in the love. Again, talking about a person listen to Romans 5.5, 5. Paul says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And so if Christ is to dwell in our hearts through faith, if he's the very center of our life, you realize we can be rooted and grounded in him, that we can have a stability and an immovability in the reality of Jesus in our life. So I want to get into this idea of what Paul's talking about when he says rooted and grounded. Uh, it's interesting to me that he is mixing his metaphors. Uh, he's getting into agriculture and he's getting into architecture. And he's bringing those two together and he's saying, hey, let me, let me go into this world, right? The farming language, uh, which this culture would have understood. And hey, in the farming language, let me tell you what you're to be in Jesus. Oh, let me give you a different metaphor. Let me give you this idea of buildings, and you understand in the Greek Roman culture, they were, uh, they were having this idea of the, the biggest and the best when it comes to architecture. And so they were experimenting, they were doing all these crazy, and hey, if you've ever gone, uh, gone to the old tourist sites around the world, right, with the old Roman architecture, it's still standing. Some of it. <laughs> like go to Rome, never been there, but if you want to send me, I'll go. Uh, but hey, go to Rome and you can see the Colosseum. You realize that's, hey, this is Paul's day kind of stuff. Right, you can you can if you go to Israel, there's all these ancient Roman ruins. Right? You see these columns and you see these buildings that they were that they were building. And so they they understood this idea of architecture. So Paul is taking these two metaphors and he's merging them together and he's saying, "Let me talk and use these ideas to talk about your life in Jesus." And it's really kind of neat because he uses that same concept in the book of Colossians, chapter 2 verse 7. And let me just, let me read this because I just love how it said, how Paul says this. In Colossians 2.7, Paul says, having been firmly rooted, that's actually our word, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Do you realize that Paul is really going after this idea that you are to be firmly planted, grounded, and built up. So let's look at those. Uh, that first word that Paul uses in our passage is the word uh, rooted. Uh, it gives this idea of being, in fact, there's an emphasis on the firmly. It's not just being rooted. It's firmly rooted. And so there's, there's a word for rooted, and it has, this has like a prefix on it that emphasizes the fact that this is unmovable, that this thing is firm, that this thing is stable. That's kind of the idea. Uh, but it has this idea of to be established, to be rooted in, to be strengthened. And this word only shows up two times <clears throat> in the New Testament. Uh, this passage here and that one in Colossians 2.7. That Paul says, hey, you are to be firmly established. <clears throat> Man, excuse me. Uh, so not just rooted, you're not just to be a plant. Because, hey, I mean, I've got a little pot at home with a plant in it. It's not firmly rooted. I can just grab it and go, I can pull that puppy out. That's not this word. See, this word gives us idea that you have a root system, and your root system is going down deep into the soil and it's spreading out, and this thing is unshakable. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about a little sapling, we're talking about a massive oak tree. Uh, you go over to a weed. A weed is rooted. But you know what you do with weeds? You don't let them remain, hopefully, right? So you grab that root and you yank it. And it probably, depending on your soil, doesn't take a lot of oomph to rip that puppy out. But you go over to a massive oak tree and try the same thing. Just try it. In fact, this afternoon, I expect all the guys to hug our trees. See what you can do. I know at least a couple in here who will try <clears throat> we won't say any names, Donovan. Uh, so Paul's not saying, hey, just grab a little root and yank this. Hey, don't be rooted like that because then you can be pulled up. The emphasis of the passage is that you have such a deep root system that the nourishment of the soil is coming up into your roots and the stability of your roots is giving this immovability. In other words, the idea here is that The life, the the nourishments of the ground is coming up into the root system, so you're receiving some life. But the roots are more than just the nourishment thing. The roots also give the stability. So what would it look like that regardless of what nature throws at you, no matter the intensity of the trials and the difficulties of life, what if you were unmovable? Nothing could rip you up. Nothing could jank you out of Jesus. Nothing could deter you. Nothing could change your emotions. Why, why would we allow fear in our lives if we were truly rooted in love? Because perfect love casts out fear. And so if I am firmly rooted in Jesus, do you realize there would be no room for anxiety? There'd be no room for worry. There'd be no room for fear. There'd be no room for sin. There'd be no room for start going down your list. And wouldn't it be amazing that, that here are these hurricane winds of life that just buttress our, our, our being what if you were unshakable because you were rooted, and your root system went down deep and spread out so far that nothing could move you? That's what Paul's saying. So here's a good question: Do you have that? Are, are you are you movable? I don't know if you've ever seen those, you know, those news, you know, casts of the hurricanes coming in or the tornadoes going through, and of course, you know, you have some things like cars and some trees and houses that are picked up and thrown around. And then you see the aftermath of some of this and you have these trees that are just like, ha, <laughs> good luck. You couldn't touch it. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm unstoppable. See, I do not want to be the tree in the midst of the, ter- of the tornado or the hurricane that gets yanked up and thrown across the state. See, I want to be the tree that is so rooted and so grounded and so firm that no matter what, comes against me i just i stand still would it be neat if the soil of the christian is love that that the soil of the christian life really was love and that what you were pulling on in terms of your life what was pulling on in terms of your nutrients what with the stability of your life nothing could topple you in your life because you have been planted in love not an emotion but a person, Uh, which sounds really similar, doesn't it? To Psalm chapter one, Uh, Psalm one, is that great Psalm, right? The first one. And uh, the psalmist says this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, when he does that, In other words, he's not following the ways of the world. You know, he's not getting wrapped up in the things of the culture, right? The the counsel of the wicked, the path of the sinners, the seed of the scoffer stuff. So when he delights in the law of the Lord, the word, when he delights in the word, think about this, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. What would it be like if your life was planted by, firmly planted by streams of water? which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. Do you realize that a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water has no concern if there's a drought going on? Why? Because it has water. It has no concern what the economy is doing. Why? It has its supply. It does not care who's president. Why? Because the life is, it's there. So wouldn't it be amazing if you did not get wrapped up in the things around you and you began, began to be firmly planted in the soil of love? How am I going to do that? you got to get into Jesus. And you got to be in this word. Because it's according, according to Psalm 1, it's when your delight is in the law of the Lord and in his word, his law, you meditate day and night. You're just soaked and saturated in this book. And when you're just, oh, you're just so wrapped up in this thing, and your delight is in this thing. And, and again, it's, we're not talking about the book in the sense of ink on paper. Yes, that's true, because these are the very words of the Lord. But we're talking about the reality, the truth of God, which is not just the book, it's his person. So what would happen if your whole life got wrapped up in the person, got wrapped up in his word, and as such, you would be a f- tree firmly planted. So when Paul says, hey, you are to be rooted and grounded in Jesus, how are you going to do that? You've got to get into Jesus. Hey, you've got to pursue him. You've got to, you've got to get on your face. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to get in the word. You've got to just soak and saturate your life in this thing. And when that begins to take place, wouldn't it be amazing if you were like a tree plant, firmly planted by streams of water and you were immovable, you are unshakable, you were undaunted. Why? Because it doesn't matter what's going on around you, you're planted You're unshakable next to water. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 is a great uh, commentary, if you will, on Psalm chapter 1. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 8, listen listen to what Jeremiah says. Uh, God is speaking through Jeremiah. He says, thus says the Lord. So this is God speaking. Listen, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord, for he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without habitation. Now, if you understand the geography of Israel, it's an amazing thought that here's Jeremiah prophesying from Jerusalem, and God is using him and saying, hey, you remember that desert stuff? In fact, the backside of, of Jerusalem is right next to the Dead Sea. So, hey, just go over the ridge, go down the valley, and here's this wasteland. There's absolutely nothing but salt. And so God says, hey, if you're trusting in mankind, if you're wrapped up in the culture around you, you will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land as salt without inhabitation. Isn't that amazing? And then he says this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water, that extends its roots by the stream, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. He's talking Psalm 1. says, so do you realize what happens when, when you put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? That you are unshakable, hey, you are you are firmly planted. Nothing can deter you. Nothing can move you. Nothing. Why? Because you have the, you're firmly planted. You're unshakable. And you have the life source, water, right next to you. So you don't fear drought. You don't have to worry about anything. You just oh, just rest. Wouldn't that be amazing to have that in Jesus? Uh, Paul says not only the idea of rooted, but this, there's this idea of grounded. Uh, the word grounded means to establish or to be strengthened, to lay a foundation, Uh, or to provide a basis for. it, It's used six times in the New Testament. And uh, several times it's used for God laying a foundation. It's kind of neat, like he laid the foundations of the earth. Uh, A couple times it is used uh, in the sense, and I'll read them to you. Uh, Luke, here's one of them, Luke chapter 6, verse 47 and 48. Uh, Same thing happens in Matthew chapter 7, verse 25, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But in Luke's account, Luke 6, 47 and 48, Jesus says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation. That's our word. On the rock. He's established on the rock. That he's building something. He's grounded on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Uh, it's interesting that Jesus is using the geography of his day. And again, we tend to miss this when, when we read these passages. Uh, but it's, for, it's phenomenal when you look at this idea of the wadis in Israel. Uh, all over around the Dead Sea, uh, there are these you know, these steep canyons. And in those canyons, they're, they're called these wadis. For example, in Gedi, one of these beautiful places in, in Israel, right, is, is, is actually a wadi. In fact, if you go to En Gedi, <clears throat> you're walking up next to the wadi. And a wadi is basically this, it's dry, but it's a riverbed. And at certain times of the year, specifically in the early spring, uh, rains will just, will just hit the land. And of course, this, this is a dry and weary land. And so what ends up happening <clears throat> is that you have all this water, and again, it's really brief, but it just, this water hits, and all the water just drains down into these, these valleys, and you have these massive flash floods that just hit these wadis and then just <laughs> flow out to the Dead Sea. Uh, usually every year, uh, somebody dies in Israel because of these torrential downpours. So here you are in this dry and weary area. There's nothing around. And uh, there's been several times I've gone to Israel in the spring and we were walking up the wadis and the what, what they would have like as forest rangers Desert Rangers? I don't know what they would. You know. <laughs> anyway, the, the Israeli people overseeing the, the place. They come and say, I'm sorry, we got to close this place down. You've got to leave. Why? Well, because there's, there's a threat of three droplets of rain. And we're like, it's three droplets of rain. We'll be fine. No, you don't understand. Three droplets of rain suddenly means we're going to have a flash flood. And these flash floods, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, one time we were driving next to the Dead Sea, and we, I had to go around the, a long way. Because the flash flood had come and literally took out the road and took a school bus with it. I mean, the, these, we're not talking like a little trickle of water. We're talking, it goes from nothing to feet of water that move boulders. And of course, Israel's doing some stuff so they can dig around. I mean, like, you know, put them under the road, you know, force the water under the road and all this stuff. Now, but, but it's interesting. Jesus is saying, do you know what's happening? And uh, in the Matthew account, he's comparing these two guys. He says, "If you hear the words of a mine and you do not obey them, you're like the guy who builds his house upon the sand. Do you know what he's talking about? It's that easy location at the bottom of a wadi. yeah, it's easy to get to downward sloped yeah you have you have all these you know resources to build a house. It makes it really easy to build a house. The problem is when the floods come, so you can't think of like uh, we think floods in America, like, you know, the Mississippi River flooding, you know, and we're like, oh, it's coming up, it's coming up. The flooding that he's talking about is drip, drip, drip. <laughs> okay? And you have this massive water coming down these wadis. If you build a little house in the middle of a wadi, it ain't lasting. It is going to be thrown out. Why? It's built on sand. It's built on the easy area of, of this wadi. Jesus, you know how you're to build your house? You're to, you're to build your house on the rock. Well, where's the rock? Well, when you look at the wadis, the rock, there's these steep rock faces, the rock is the top. Hey, this is gonna be a lot of extra work. Hey, this is gonna be challenging. I gotta take the resources and get it up on top of the rock. And then I gotta build it upon a foundation and I gotta secure this thing. But hey, if I build my house upon the rock and lay a good foundation, it does not matter how much of the flood comes. It's secure because it's built on the rock. Does that make sense to you? Uh, so that's how that word is used. Sometimes uh, it's also used in 1 Peter five ten, where Jesus, uh, or sorry, where Peter says, "After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself think about this. Jesus is going to perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you." That's our word. So yeah, you may suffer for a little while. But the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Jesus, he is gonna perfect, confirm, strengthen, and ground you, lay the foundation in you, establish you, strengthen you. That's the word. Uh, If I wanted to build a little tiny shack, I I could really build a shack anywhere. Why? Because it's not that big. If I wanted to build a skyscraper, I just can't I can't build that anywhere. I've, I've got to figure out the ground stuff. I've got to dig a foundation and I've got to secure this thing. Why? Because I want to go high. In fact, one architect said it this way. If you don't go deep, you can't go high. And I was like, that's a great thought for your spiritual life. If you don't go deep, you can't go high. Why? Because the foundation is, Gives stability. Uh, Several years ago, I was in Chicago and I was visiting a good friend of mine, and uh, uh, we were just walking around the cities or the 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 streets of Chicago. And uh, I I love the I don't like the airports of Chicago. (laughs) I hate the airports, but I really like the city. And uh, we were walking the city, and and my buddy said, "Hey, let's go up the John Hancock Building." And the John Hancock Building is one of the taller buildings in Chicago. That beautiful skyline. I said, sure, sounds fun. Uh, so we went up to the top of the John Hancock building, and I remember being up there, and I, I'm, not, I'm not a big Heights fan. I, I don't mind airplanes. I'm fine with airplanes. Uh, I'm fine with, like, hot air balloons and, you know, even roller coasters for the most part because, you know, you're just strapped in, you just scream, and you're fine. <clears throat> but there's this weird thing about being up in tall buildings. I, I remember uh, I, I was 18, 19 years old, and I got to go to Toronto, for a conference, and uh, Toronto has the CN Tower, and it is one of the tallest buildings, uh, at least at that time, and they have this glass floor. And we got to the top, and we looked down, and I, well, the glass floor was there, and I was over here, and I was doing this, i like, that's interesting. And I was looking at it and s- they had school buses down below us, school buses look tinier than an ant. You were so high up there, I mean, you just, you have to squint, you're like, that is not okay. And, of course, one of my best friends decided that as I was doing this, he just wanted to make sure that the glass was safe, so he pushed me. And I won't explain what happened, but I did scream. And I, as some of you know, I cannot scream like a man. So the poor people at the CN Tower thought some little girl had just died. And I had. So... (laughs) So here I, here I was at the top of the, the uh, John Hancock building. And, uh, and it's interesting, at the top of the John Hancock building, which is, again, one of the tall, taller buildings in Chicago, they have floor-to-ceiling uh, windows. And so you can get right up to that window and just... Oh. In fact, now they've replaced, right after we left, they replaced the windows. And the windows, they've now inserted this thing where the windows tilt forward. <laughs> so, you can, so you can hold on to the, the window railings, and they just... Could you imagine? No, there's no way. <laughs> I'm glad they did that afterwards. Uh, that way I could be a man at the John Hancock building <clears throat> and not scream. <laughs> but, but I remember being at the top of the John Hancock building, sitting there kind of going, I really hope there's not an earthquake. And I, here, here, was the, here was the very clear thought I had. I wonder what their foundation's like. I've never cared about a foundation in a building. I've never once thought, hmm, what's the foundation here? But suddenly here I am in this skyscraper and I'm a little concerned. How did they build this thing? Because we're near water. So if Chicago is building skyscrapers and we're next to water, did they dig down deep enough to actually secure this building? Because if there's a little rumble in the earth, I'm at the top. That's this idea. That if, you, if you're going to build this building, you've got to be secure. Paul says, do you realize you're to have that in Jesus? That you are to be secure and grounded and established in Jesus. That if he's going to do something in your life, it's only going to come as a result of you going deep in Jesus. You, you cannot expect him to do something big in your life. You cannot expect for him to use your life in revival. You can't expect him to to leverage your life for the kingdom of God if you're not willing to spend the time and go deep. And again, I love that architect's quote. If you don't go deep, you can't go high. Now, I understand as Christians, our desire is not for us to be seen. I totally understand that. But God does want to use this to turn this world upside down. How's he going to do that? You've got to go deep. And Paul says, would you be rooted and grounded in love? Uh, let me give you a Charles Spurgeon quote they said on this on this passage. He says, Two expressions are used: Rooted like a living tree which lays hold upon the soil, twists itself round the rocks, and cannot be upturned. Grounded like a building which has been settled as a whole and will never show any cracks or flaws in the future through failures in the foundation. What would happen if you were rooted and grounded? In love, a person. His name's Jesus. I have really quick three ideas. If you are rooted and grounded in love, Jesus, it's going to give you three things. It's going to provide three things. Number one, stability. Again, there's this idea that if you are grounded, if you are rooted, it gives stability and immovability in your life. You cannot be upturned. Wouldn't that be amazing in your life if you had stability in Jesus? That it did not matter what happened around you. It did not matter what the economy did. It did not matter what the politics. It it does not matter what the governments decided. It does not matter what your roommate does. It does not matter. Why? Because I am rooted in Jesus. I am grounded in Jesus. And therefore, I have stability in Jesus. I am like a tree planted by streams of water. And so no matter what life's trials or difficulties you may face, you can actually smile. You can rest secure. Why? Because, oh, you're rooted and grounded in Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, at, the, at the end of chapter 8, <clears throat> Paul says in the beginning of verse 35, think about this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he begins to make a list. Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? So, so think about this. If if tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword comes into your life, is that going to separate you from Jesus? No. He says in verse 37, "In all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us." You know what a conqueror is? Right? It's Alexander the Great. It's Napoleon. Right? It's it's these these kind of military commanders. Paul says, when you look at all the trials and the sufferings and the difficulties, it's not that you won't face them, but you will always rise above them because they cannot separate you from the love of Christ. That is phenomenal. Which means when you're facing trials and you're facing difficulties and you're having problems in your life and the hurricanes and the tornadoes of life are hitting and buttressing your soul, you can just sit there and smile and go, keep trying to hit it because you ain't going to do anything. Because I'm that one tree in the newscast at the end who's gonna be sitting there going, oh and everything else may be torn up, and everything else may be in, in, in splinters around me, but I'm gonna I I'm immovable. Christians, we are grounded in Jesus. We are rooted in Jesus, we are immovable in Jesus. Paul goes on in Romans 8 and he says, For I am convinced, listen to this that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what would it look like if I had stability in Jesus? As, As one scholar said it, we are to be cemented in place and anchored by love. Isn't that a great way of saying it? Cemented in place and anchored by love. What what is what is Jesus doing in our life? As I'm rooted and grounded in Him, He is cementing me in place, and He's anchoring me in love. That's awesome. Uh, Not just number one stability, but number two security. You realize that there is a rest and a freedom in Jesus when you find your life in Jesus. That you can trust, that you can actually rest. That that you could be in a prison cell and you could be being tortured and yet you can still rest and find great peace and joy and freedom in Jesus. Why? Because my security is not coming from the outside. My security does not come from my bank account. My security does not come from the government laws. My security does not come in how you think. My security does not come in anything else outside of Jesus. So when I I become rooted and grounded in him, Not only does my life become immovable and I have stability in my life, but now I have security. I can rest in him. That's encouraging news for the days in which we live. And number three, not just stability, not just security, but there's this idea of survival. And it goes to that idea of the rooted. Do you realize that roots help the plant survive. It's sucking up the nutrients. It's giving the life nourishment that the plant needs. What if you had that in Jesus? What if the nourishment, what if the life that you need came from him? And your sole means of survival was Jesus. Sounds an awful, like, awful, awful lot. That's the word I was looking for. An awful lot like John 15. In John 15, Jesus gives another metaphor and he says, hey, vine and branches. So here's this branch who is abiding, resting in the vine. And the life-giving step of the vine flows out into the branch and produces fruit. So what is the branch supposed to do? Yes, it's supposed to produce fruit, but it only produces fruit when it rests, abides, sinks down into, refuses to depart from the life source of the vine. So Jesus says in John 15, verse four and five, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What would it look like to have survival in Jesus? That your nourishment and your life came from Jesus why? Because I'm rooted in him. That I'm receiving my life and my nourishment from him. That I'm, that I'm not living out of my own life. I'm not living for my own life. I'm living by the life of Christ as he lives inside of me through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm living by the life of Christ. By the way, we call that Christianity. So could it be that God wants to give you stability? He wants to give you security, and he wants to give you survival, life? In him, as you find yourself rooted and grounded in him, do you know what that's gonna demand of you? Surrender. Because you're not gonna be able to do this on your own. I can't be rooted in myself. How are you gonna do that? I can't be grounded in myself. Because if I take my own roots and I put it back into myself, I'm actually not rooted in anything. I cannot ground myself in myself. See, I have to ground myself in something else outside of me. I've got to root myself in something outside of me, which means I've got to surrender to him. And if I want to experience the fullness and the reality of of Jesus in my life, then this cannot be about me. So can I encourage you to throw yourself afresh on Jesus this morning? Can I encourage you not to turn within and be like, oh, all right, i want to grip my teeth and accomplish and pull this thing off. What if this was not about you? What if this was all about, Lord, could you root me and ground me in the reality of Jesus? We need this. And in the days in which we live, we really need this. Let's pray. Oh Lord is such a phenomenal thought to me that, I can have life in you, that you are my life. Lord, what would it look like if my life was planted, grounded, established, rooted in love? That somehow I was known by my love, my love for you, my love for the people around me. Lord, what what would it look like if if the stability of my life, it was not emotions, it was a person who is love? What what if the security and the survival, the life, the freedom, the rest of my life, the peace that I experienced did not come through the circumstances around me? In fact, I could be in the middle of the most chaotic circumstances. The hurricanes of life could be just buttressing my life. The, the trials and the difficulties could just be nonstop, and yet I can just I could have a rest and a security and a hope and a joy and a smile upon my face because the reality of my life was not based upon the circumstances of life. My life was based upon Jesus. Lord, we need that. And Lord, whatever the country does, whatever the politics go, however the economy shifts, whatever whatever the crazy mandates and the COVID stuff happens, or what if, what if none of that actually mattered to the reality of my life in you? And what if this world could look upon our lives and just go, wow, there is a God in the universe because they see us rooted in you and grounded in you. Lord, we desperately need that. And whether things get better or things get worse, Lord, I, I don't know if it fully matters. I do have a preference. <laughs> But Lord, I don't think it matters if I'm rooted and grounded in you. So Lord, I I am just, from the bottom of my heart, crying out, I need this. Lord, I don't want to be rooted in anything. I don't want to be rooted in in anything the culture offers. I want to be rooted in Jesus. Lord, I don't want to set my life on any foundation other than Jesus. Because when the winds and the waves, hey, when that little sprinkle of rain comes and those wadis just have a torrent of water rushing through. Lord, I do not want to find myself on sinking sand. Which means according to your word, I've got to be in your word. I've got to obey your word and delight myself in you. Lord, could we be trees planted by streams of water whose leaves do not wither and whatever whatever is going on in our life just seems to prosper? We're not talking money. We understand that. But Lord, there's just this rich blessing of your life upon us. Lord, oh, that we might be rooted and grounded in you, which is going to demand our surrender. So, Lord, I just this morning want to freshly give myself to you. Take my mind, take my heart, take this body, take my energy, take my talent, take my personality, take whatever you and take everything. And Lord, not don't let me live for myself. Don't don't let me turn within and self-protect. Don't don't let me just. I justify why I'm not living a certain way, Lord. I want to be all in on Jesus. I don't want to have just one root in Jesus and the rest of my roots in the world. I want everything in on Jesus. I want to. I want to put all. The, I want to put all the chips on on Jesus. I want to put all the, all the eggs in one basket, which is Jesus. Lord, I want to be rooted and grounded in you. So, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we get to have to experience your life. What amazing reality. We love you, Jesus, in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you'd like to view the video version of this study, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. No, I am cheering you on as you build your life around and upon Jesus Christ. See you next time.